Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of An Unexpected Podcast. I am Robert here in D.C., and I am joined by Matt in Boston and Mick over in the U.K., and at some point we might be joined by Devin. Uh, Today we are going to be finishing out our discussion of the Rohan army list, so we're going to cover the warrior portion and also the legendary legions and any heroes that we might have missed on the first go around. Um, And as is tradition, first we're going to launch into a list review. So today we are going to review a list that um, I believe, Matt, you're going to put up on the screen. I am going to put it up Mm -hmm. on the screen. All right, so I am now putting it up on the screen. Putting it up on the screen is what I am doing now. And I am in the midst of putting this up on the screen. It's almost up on the screen. It is almost up on the screen. Are you going to put it up on the screen? All right. And there we are. There it is. Okay. There it is. So um, this is a list from Corpy with two Ps. Um, I hope I pronounced that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, this is, this is a list that was done off of our, uh, last, uh, well, the, the last publicized video at the time of recording, um, which was on underused models. Oh, and I see it, a, a, a wild Devin appears. Um, <laughs> and he says, taking a list from the inspiration of this video of underused models, here's a 650 point list to try and make Gildor and Glorian and Meldor and Exiles work. Um, which is a Herculean task that I'm glad mm-hmm. he has uh, undertaken. And he has a Rivendell Numenor alliance. And in Warband 1, he has Eladan and Elro here with bows, armor, and horses. He has 10 elves with shields. Um, I assume those are, uh, you know, standard. Yeah, those would have to be standard Rivendell elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Warband number 2, he has Gildor and Glorian himself in all his Gildor in glory. <laughs> uh, he has two Noldorian el- exiles with elf bows and wood elf spears. He has three Rivendell knights with shields. And in Warband 3, he has a captain of Numenor with horse, lance, and shield. Eight warriors with spear and shield. <clears throat> um, one warrior with banner, spear, and shield. And he comes out with a total of 28 models nine might and seven bows uh so hey devin there he is hi um, devin and uh so uh, so a couple of thoughts here the first is um despite corpy's attempt to kind of make Noldor and exiles and gildor and glory work i would point out that the list does have gildor and Glorin and glorian and two Noldor and exiles <laughs> um but I mean, I think he has the generally the right idea for what to use these guys as. I mean, what what he says here is he wanted to, Gildor to have a fairly swift um, warband on the table. So, you know, he's basically got Gildor and his two, two Noldorans who can go eight inches a turn, uh, and they've got Elven cloaks. So presumably they can kind of like jump into some train, hide, hold some objectives, um, plink out of it, and um, Gildor can occasionally transfix something. Um, and then uh, he's got the three Rivendell Knights with shields in that warband. Um, I guess, so some quick thoughts here. Uh, thought number one, and I think we've talked about this before, but I think it's worth pointing out here that 
what I would, yeah, the, the one thing I would definitely do off the top is right now he's got um, eight warriors with uh, banner, spear, and shield. Oh, I'm sorry, eight warriors with spear and shield in Numenor, one, and then the banner is there as well with another spear and shield guy, and then the ten elves with shield. So this is set up so that uh, the elves go in front of the Numenor guys. Um, where their uh, you know where their uh, defense six is gonna going to be in front, um, and their elven blades are going to be in front. There's something to be said, however, for a situation where you want the guy in New- uh, the guy from Numenor in front, so that if somebody's going to go down, he's going to go down. Because there are certain situations where the defense five of the Numenor guy. Um, doesn't make a difference with the defense six of uh, of the elves, um, and while the while the Numenorean warband can kind of form its own shield wall, the elven warband can't. It depends on either getting the the Numenor guys behind them or the Noldorans behind them. I mean, I think you what, one thing you could do here is take half of uh, basically take half of the spears off the Numenor warband, put them in the uh, Elvish warband. So you got those Elvish guys with spear and shield, you know, basically half of them. I would also, I think, take the banner and put it in the Elvish warband too. Um, so basically you end up with, instead of one warband that has all the shields and one warband that has all the spears, you end up with two warbands, each of which are half and half, and they can either support themselves or support each other. They can support themselves if it's um, Maelstrom of Battle and they don't end up coming out anywhere near each other, uh, or they can still you know, kind of support each other with some elves behind Numenor and some Numenor behind elves. Um, the other thing that I would be interested in doing, and I just need to check on this, on the twins, I believe the twins are heroes of valor. No, they're hero- heroes no, of they're fortitude. Okay. All right. So I I would toy with the idea of taking the Rivendell Knights and putting them in the warband with Eladan and Elro here, which would require, because they're only heroes of fortitude, taking a couple of those elves out, the, the elves on foot out, putting them in with Gildor and Glorian, um, and then having a mount, basically having a mounted strike force uh, with the three Rivendell knights and the two twins, which is an awful lot of mounted hitting power. I mean, you could, if you wanted to, take all ten elves out, basically have Gildor and Glorian with you know a bunch of guys on foot, including a couple of Noldoran exiles. And he can still kind of go herring off with his Tunaldoran exiles if you want, and then have the warband that kind of slowly plods after him at six inches a turn. And then basically have Eladan and Elro here and the three Rivendell Knights as kind of a mobile strike force that could go wherever you needed it to to support either the Numenor warband or the Elvish warband or you know swing on the flank combination too. I think that's probably how I would set it up. Um just because then you would have kind of this this five figure two hero 
um, mounted strike force, all of whom have bows, so they can also kind of buzz around in the background and uh, shoot. Uh, I guess those are my two thoughts, are switch out the Warband 1 and Warband 3 so that each one has half shields and half uh, spears, and then consider at least um, putting all the foot with Gildor uh, and all the mounted with Eladan and Elro here. Those are my thoughts. Rob, you're next down on the uh, cascade of window tiles on my screen. What do you think? Uh, so, I mean, I... I don't disagree. I think I think that it is awesome that um, Corpy, you were inspired by our video trying to make uh, not amazing models work to come up with this list. It, I, I wonder if two Noldoran exiles are even worth taking at all at that point, right? Versus just but that's the whole concept of the right. list is those two <laughs> Noldoran exiles. Well, it's just two feels like it's just kind of sprinkling it in so you could say you use them. I think that maybe if I will um, gesture in the direction <laughs> of underused models, <laughs> right? I think that I probably would have um, approached it a little bit differently in general and tried to make like a large cloud of them with throwing weapons and using that extra movement to be really annoying and hit flanks while you had kind of an elven battle line. But if we are going with this concept, um, I do agree that I personally would prefer to put the elves with spears behind the Numenorians. I think you could play it either way, but I just, I would rather have the elves in the back, generally speaking. I really like your idea about creating like a mounted strike force and then leaving the foot contingent to um, kind of hold the line with Gildor floating behind it. So if any kind of hero slips through that you want to immobilize, you have that option. And then the captain of Numenor with his lance is also not a bad one to kind of ride out and bully some troops. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's workable. I just think that, maybe just sprinkling the exiles is not worth sprinkling the exiles at that point. You, you kind of commit to them or, or you just go with, a, um, with regular elves or even maybe another knight at that point, in my opinion. Um, I, I mean, I will say this in defense of the two Nodoran exiles, you know, that, that kind of the couple of guys with bows and elven cloaks is something I often throw into my lists. Mm -hmm. And I think he's got the right idea for them where they go and they run and they sit on an objective um, and especially the if you have about, terrain, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it, this kind of depends on terrain. I mean, yeah. But usually there's some terrain and you get some choice usually in where you put down the objectives so you can put them near terrain. Well, in like the domination, thing, that would be really nice, for example. Yeah. The, the thing that's neat about these Nodoran Exiles is because they move eight inches a turn, you know, he's basically got to commit, you know, if he wants to get the, because they have elven cloaks, if he wants to get them off those objectives, he can't just shoot them off. Mm -hmm. He's got to send somebody after them. And because these guys run eight inches a turn, um, you know, he has to send, say, like three or four guys after him to make sure that he kills mm -hmm. one of them. And then when they start to get close, they just run away at inches of turn. And, you know, he's sent the resources off after him. Yeah. All right. Nick, what's your thought? Right. So, um, okay. I think, first of all, uh, there is a very small model count. It's only 28 and it's 650 points. Uh and so I think I'm actually looking at my at the army which I'm painting right now for 550, and it has 28 models. So I would definitely want some more warriors in there, unless you're able to um, bring a bigger, a bigger and better hero here. So I was thinking Eladon and Elro here with bows, armor, and horses are something like 180, 190, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so 
Uh, to to me, it seems that if we if, if we have to keep keep Gildar and the idea of Noldorian exiles, then I'd be keen to perhaps move a bunch of those elves from Eladon and Elrohir's uh, warband into his, uh, and then possibly swap both the twins and the captain of Numenor for someone like, like Elendil, uh, who would be mounted and would be able to bring a larger warband with him. So we would still then be keeping uh, two or three Riven Knights. Mm -hmm. we, could, uh, we could have more exiles or just keep the normal elves. So let's say you could have three Riven Knights, two or three exiles, and like let's say six or seven normal elves with Gildar. And then follow that up with uh, mounted Elendil and as many models that go with him as possible. I just think uh, at this point level, uh, the twins can be really fragile. If you accidentally lose one, the other one is gone a lot of the time. There's a lot of ring rates, so you might just get one transfixed or, or compelled and lost randomly. Um, so I would say... Um, if yeah, uh, uh, essentially, if we keep in Gildor, then I would uh, I would try to go with a bigger hero uh, for the elves. Um, otherwise, I would drop Gildor, but obviously that isn't the point of the. <laughs> I mean, in the in the ideal world, I'd go with something like twins and then swap Gildor and the Captain of Numenor for 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 Lendil. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, if we're gonna have to keep Gildor, then I would just say we need someone bigger and better on the other side of the alliance or somewhere else in there. Otherwise, the, 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 the heroes just all seem a little fragile at this point yeah. level. It, I guess the only problem with swapping out the twins and the captain for Alendil is you drop from... You, you take eight might and you replace it with three. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's fine, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if this player is prepared to play with that much of a drop in might. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, nine, yeah, nine sure. you're, 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 you're dropping the, the the might from from the twins, but essentially the twins only have heroic strike, and they want to be using their might too in combat anyway. So if anything, you're sort of losing losing the might from the from the captain. But like, okay, well, you don't actually have to drop the captain. You can you can just swap the the uh, the, uh, the twins for Elendil, and still keep the captain and still keep pretty much the same army. So the twins are two hundred points. What's um... Elendil with uh, with uh, with shield and, and mounted is two hundred points as well. Yeah, you'd have to find a couple points, but not many. Yeah. So like, if you if you wanted to keep the captain with his heroic march and the extra might, then I would just do a clean swap and then and then just try to move move some models around warbands a, a little bit. Maybe may, maybe change a couple of uh, elves for a couple of mm. Numenorians. But yeah, I'm just not a fan of twins as your main heroes at this point level. I'd be fine yeah. with it at like 500, but at 650, I kind of want to have something bigger. Devin, what do you think? All right, so you guys can hear me, correct? Yeah, yeah. we can. Yeah, oh, perfect. Earlier I was speaking and <laughs> no one could hear me. So, um, but yeah, now I so I will admit I'm a little confused about. The mission of this list, uh, and I, I guess is echoing other people, uh, the mission of this list to take Gildor and Nodorian Exile seems to be defeated by the fact that you only have two of these Exiles. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know what Gildor is actually 
contributing on the transfix, possibly. Moved to Nodorian Exiles. Yeah. <laughs> um, the obvious choice does seem to be to take them out, and then you get to start. But um, all right, so keeping them in, and I guess not adding more exiles to kind of like go on this theme. Um, the only thing, I mean. I'm not totally against the fact that he has all the elves with shields and all the Numenorians with spear and shield. I know Matt had mentioned the advice earlier of like maelstrom missions. I think that with six points of might on Eladon and Elra here, you probably could just deploy the Numenorian captain first and then, you know, use the points of might to kind of guide them to wherever they are. You know, move three inches into the battlefield, split the group into two sets of four slightly into that way that elves can come in and get in front. So, I mean... You could keep them together. It costs you might to do that and potentially a lot if you roll really badly. Um, but, you know, that's if you wanted to keep that set up. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I don't know about Elendil. I feel like, what, if you drop? Well, I mean, if you, if I feel like he wants to keep his L's and I feel like the clear choice is to just take out Eladan and Elver here and the 10 L's and swap them from Numenorians, but then it's just like you really have a Numenorian force with a sprinkling of Gildor. Um, it, I mean, the three Rivendell Knights in Gildor's Warband, I'm not personally against. Um, I think that they're meant to be a one-drop that allows him to still, you know, be able to deploy in standard missions without actually exposing where he primarily wants to go. The Knights can move quickly. The Exiles can move quickly. So I'm not I'm not mad at them being there, but I don't disagree with Matt's advice uh, to put them in the other warbands. Um, you know, that that's, that's kind of where it is. It's like, I feel like the weak point of your list is what you want to keep in there. And as a competitive podcast, it's like, all right, well, we're kind of working around that. So, but I'm going to end up saying otherwise... A lot of stuff has already been said. That, I was going to say, that's what makes it a challenge. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I have to say what Rob said. It's like, I, I'd actually, like, I'm like, if you're going to make the Exiles work, then make them work. Like, I would I would throw in more Exiles and throw in Kyrdin for some protection to, mm -hmm. I don't know, certain advantages, like, there. Um, and then... Do, do you want Kyrdin for protection? Because they've got the Elven Cloaks. I mean, I don't know. You can't base it on the amount of terrain you're going to have on the table. You get, a, like, a Lake Town board with absolutely nothing there, and it's like, all right, well, I got buildings. Well, I mean, yeah, but even even buildings will help you uh, stand behind it. I mean, if, look, if, if you're going to base a list around the Noldoran Exiles and then you end up playing on a pool table, you're dead anyway. So, right. <laughs> I mean... Um, I mean, uh, I guess I, I was... No, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I was just going to say, I, I guess a list at 650 points that has both Gildor and Kyrdan in it I think would end up being a list that you know okay well we're not going to get shot but once we get into combat we're not going to kill anything either um, yeah we're just not going to do anything my fear yeah we're going to survive the shooting we're going to hide in the weeds and hope that, hope that the other army gets bored and moves on <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess it's true. Spam exiles is like a terrible idea. <laughs> I'm just like, um, but I mean, I don't know. I guess I can't really call it a, an exile list. I mean, I guess the point of these two models moving eight inches is just what the Rivendell Knights are already kind of doing, except they're a smaller frame, so can't be and, shot at. Plus, yeah, the Knights are just better. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think um, I think if 
for a list like this, like make, I think you're right. If you, if you throw in a big hitter, like a Lendale, and then you use his, you know, 18 man warband to create like a battle line of Numenorians, and then you throw in Gildor and max his warband with exiles so that you have, you know, four bows and like eight throwing weapons and a bunch of spears. Then you've got this like annoying cloud that can hug terrain as it moves up. It can, you know, run around the battle line to get traps or like operate in three so that they can trap models. And like while Elendil and this brick of Numenorians is coming at you, they almost count. They're almost just like this diversion that can then also redeploy fast if you need a spear behind the battle line somewhere. So I think if I was going to make exiles work, I would just commit to exiles and Will that win every game? Absolutely not. But like that to me would be more of an exile list, if that makes sense. I, I love the idea of Elendil being the diversion, right? right? <laughs> you mentioned the, the general on the other side going, no, that, that's the High King of Numenor over there. Don't pay attention to him. He's just the diversion. The table. The same way that marauders are annoying, like picture marauders that are also fight five and have throwing weapons. Like I would probably use them the same way, but you're not going to do it with two, right? So also, here's 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 an idea. So I just I just calculated this at at five fifty rather than six fifty. Mm-hmm. I think this this could be an awesome list. You have Elendil in full gear. You have Gildar. You have eighteen words of Numenor, um, half with shields, half with shields and spears. And then you have 12 uh, exiles, and that gives you 32 models at 549 points. See, I, I fixed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you basically go all the way on, on exiles on one end, and then you, you bring Elendil on the other end, mm-hmm. and you have a random transfix. You move eight, you have like five ish across your line. You you elf cloaks so you can hug some things around. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, while the enemy is just focused on a Lendil, you'll let your Eldoran exiles can sneak up through terrain and mug it, get behind his battle line, and just cause all kinds of havoc, steal objectives. I, their, I think that's how I'd approach it. With their defense three for nine points. <laughs> all right. Well, that was that was an interesting thought experiment. Um, so, <clears throat> we have a couple of small suggestions for kind of tweaking this version of the list. Um, I have to say, I kind of like the idea of. Um, Gildor, a bunch of Noldoran exiles, and then uh, Elendil is a big, massive 200-point diversion <laughs> from the... Uh, I, I think that actually that has that has a lot of merit to it. So if you happen to have an Elendil on horse, um, if you want to throw into this list, that might be something to think about. If you don't, get one. All right. Subscribe. Follow the link. Like. <laughs> All right, so we are going to now launch into the topic of the day. Thank you again for that wonderful list submission and the and the fun little debate that it generated. Um, and we are going to talk about the Warriors of Rohan. So, Mick, why don't you get us started with the Warrior of Rohan? Right. So, the, the most basic troop war, uh, uh, well, the most basic food warrior of Rohan is the Warrior of Rohan. So he moves six, uh, five value three. Uh, uh, he hits on a four plus strength three defense. Four, one attack, one wound, courage three. He can be armed with an, uh, with a sword or an axe, and he wears armor. And he can also bring a war horn, a banner, uh, throwing spears for two points. Uh, and then he can have a bow or a shield as well. So he can have a bow and a shield. Yeah, he can have both and be able to shield and not gain the benefits of um, of the of plus one to his defense. So the interesting thing about these guys is that. 
um, you should probably always take them with access as default, which means that generally you will have strength four if you want it against defense six. And uh, these guys are defense four or defense five with shields, which means that most things are going to be killing them on fives unless they're strength four, which kills them on fours. So they are sort of um, like the archetypal standard, most average warrior in the entire game. Um, there isn't really anything special to them, but they're relatively cheap uh, at seven points uh, with shields. So you're able to spam a lot of them. If you take Grimbold with you, which you probably won't, um, you can also make them into Homingas to give them extra strength. So you, so you could potentially be strength five in combat. Um, so yeah, so essentially Rohan plays generally as a... Um, as a uh -oh. Uh -oh. Um, we're actually playing with it, uh, with a lot of warriors. It's actually pretty cool. So we'll get to that when we uh, do the legions. But yeah, warriors of Rohan. I have I have a soft spot for them because years ago I managed to, to finish second at the, uh, at the GT where I had about forty something, forty five of them on food, led by uh, uh, led by Awen with um, Ganburi Gun and a bunch of Wozes and Saruman leading the entire army. So that was a few editions ago um, where you were still able to actually spam warriors like that with just AON. Unfortunately, these days, um, you can't do that. So there's a lot of better choices generally in Rohan, except the, uh, the couple of legions, which we're going to go over. Now looking at this, and I'm now enthralled by the idea of a 65-point warrior of Rohan with the warhorn, the banner, throwing spears, bow, and shield. And, and his name course... is Rohambo. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and, and, I mean, if you wanted to, you could you could um, uh, give him a uh, give him a flail and make him a 66-point warrior of Rohan. There you go. But uh, <laughs> who needs right, captains when you can have Rohambo? You know, the thing about these guys actually is they're actually pretty fair for their stats. And I think in most armies, they probably would have a model like this and play them just fine. It's just Rohan is obviously so catered toward its cav that you just end up never playing these guys outside of the legions. But yeah, like, um, I'm not really mad at what they do for their cause. So. Uh, well, I, I think it's been said somewhere. And Mick. yeah, Mick has just been taken out by an international hit team. Um, <laughs> we'll see if he can reestablish connection once he relocates his base. Uh, but uh, I think it has been said that the that when GW kind of like creates new models, they use the Warrior of Rohan as the baseline. Mm -hmm. That the Warrior of Rohan is basically the average. It's the average guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that probably sums it up. The Warrior of Rohan is kind of your average guy. There are some guys who are, you know, kind of more points efficient, some guys who are less point efficient, but the Warrior of Rohan is kind of the, the, um, the, the median line of what a, what a warrior does. Um, yeah. I which doesn't that. mean you should buy a 66-point version of him, but, you know, at uh, seven or eight points, um, that's great. I mean, I, I guess... The one thing I would quibble with with the Warrior of Rohan profile is I'm not certain that 
two points for throwing spears worth it for the ordinary warrior Rohan. Although this is, we'll discuss when we get to the legions. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get ameliorated somewhat. So, yeah, I think, um, I think the thing I like best about the warrior of Rohan is just that they are so modular. So you can kind of build them to fit almost any role that you need up to and including the Helminga's upgrade, which is one of those upgrades to a warrior that doesn't actually appear on their, um, on their stat sheet, but is clearly only meant for them. Um, And yeah, I mean, unless you have some kind of genius idea army or are playing one of the legions, generally you're using them simply as dismounts for your riders of Rohan, but that's not really a strike against them. They're perfectly average and perfectly good at being average, which is sometimes fine. So. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll notice, and we mentioned earlier that Mick has suddenly disappeared. We just got a message from him saying that his Wi-Fi just dropped, that he is attributed to the fact that it started raining and the weather is apparently killing his Wi-Fi, um, which... Which none of us know, believe. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it's the Rain's UK, right? England, so yeah, I mean, never yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, UK Wi-Fi. Well, we designed it so it will work in, uh, you know, it, 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 it won't work in the rain, but when will that actually occur in the UK? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they must have gotten the Wi-Fi system that was meant for Dubai. But, uh, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully we'll see him again. It's, it's powered by solar panels in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Somebody messed up. Um, um, all right. What do we yeah. do? Who's doing next? Who's up next? So the next, uh, next up, we have the writer of Rohan. Do you want to take that, Devin? Sure. All right. So for 14 points, you get a uh, move six. Fight well, realistically ten, but um, fight three, strength three, defense five, one attack, one wound, courage three, character uh, armed with a sword or an axe, which, as Mick said, you should probably just give them an axe, shield, and then uh, the bow and a horse, and then they have the options for warhorns, banners, and uh, two point throwing spear, uh, expert rider, and then they have the arise riders of Theoden rule for what feels like for free somewhat um if this model is within 12 inches of theoden and has the cavalry keyword uh then a model with this special rule receives a plus one bonus to their fight value on a turn of which they charge so um so yeah i mean essentially you guys are i mean anyone who's ever seen a rohan force knows it's the mainstay of the entire army i mean they're they're effective for their points they they do what they do i mean generally around theoden i mean it's uh, to be honest, I'm actually quite happy they made them. Um, they kind of gave this Arise Riders of Theoden rule for free because otherwise, I think the whole Rohan Royal Guard spamming would be still a thing. <laughs> otherwise, um, so I think. Uh, I mean, I mean, not that it's not a thing. Rohan Royal Guard is still spam, but yeah, we'll, but, we'll yeah. certainly cover that, right? But yeah. <laughs> So, but honestly, I like these guys. I mean, even um, it's really the bow that I think mm-hmm. if it wasn't for their bow, then yeah, they would be totally irrelevant to the Rohan Royal Guard. Um, but basically, I think the bow, they're pretty cost effective for what they do. Um, the combination of, you know, having the axe plus their strength plus one strength on the charge bonus, you know, you could potentially boost them to, you know, strength five. Um I think all of that in combination gives them that that nice option as opposed to the Royal Guard that we'll discuss next. But yeah, I mean, no, this is this is definitely a figure where you can base an entire army off of these and mm-hmm. do just fine. Yeah. Uh, 
So the question, the question I want to pose for the group is the eternal throwing spear versus not throwing spear argument on the riders of Rohan. I think the, the question may have a different answer when you're talking about the Rohan Royal Guard, but I wanted to get people's questions on, or I wanted to get people's answers on whether they thought that the two-point throwing spear was worth it for the riders of Rohan. Mine would be a kind of almost theory in a sense. I can have played Rohan and more often playing it without the throwing spears, but I don't mind it. I mean, the, the, the cost savings you're getting, like, I mean, the, the fact that they can sit eight inches away from most infantry, throw at a higher strength, and then you can always play keep away. They move six inches up, that's fine. You can move, I mean, just that alone, I think, kind of makes it worth it. But then also the fact that, Riders of Rohan are constantly trying to win priority anyway, or at least a heroic move off. They are always trying to charge. So to make that charge even more deadly, since you're already trying to do it. See, like in the Rohan Warriors part, you kind of don't care. And I don't think I would steal priority just to throw a bunch of throwing spears. But the fact that now we're getting, you know, cavalry bonus plus one to, to strength, plus the, you know, um, now a throwing spear on top of that. And there's a lot more usefulness. I think when a, a rider actually throws a throwing spear, the amount of where they can go, if they actually kill that target, like it's kind of far outweighing it even more. Like you could you swing around the back or something like that. I think just because you're already trying to charge all the time, I don't mind it. So that's my initial thought on that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, go ahead, man. Yeah, no, I think it's a yes for for throwing spears. At least, at least in in some in uh, uh, well, at least a few of them, or like half of your army, I would say, but potentially even, because there are just so many times when, let's say, you have I don't know twenty riders of Rohan and you need to get in combat, and and because of your, uh, because of your base sizes, stuff just doesn't fit. Like you end up charging with like six or ten, and then the other ones are just like kind of kind of stunning around. So if you're able to charge and throw the spear, it's almost like you're getting the additional free attack that otherwise would just be standing somewhere at the back. And it's like you, you're kind of trying to maximize every single rider because you're never going to be able to fight with all of them at the same mm -hmm. time. And then the other ones can actually then go, okay, I'm going to go 10 inches that way and maybe prepare myself for a, for a charge next, uh, uh, next turn, but still be able to throw. Mm -hmm. So I would say they are very good. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob, go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. And have you in? Well, I, I say I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think I'm yes to throwing spears, but it's a qualified yes because I don't I don't think you ever want to give throwing spears to everybody. No, I don't think so. Because um, I mean, it, it, it's rare that you'll really be able to get shots with everybody if you give them to everybody. But I think somewhere in between one third and one half of your mounted figures get the throwing spears. Um, I think the answer is different on the Rohan Royal Guard, which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I think um, <clears throat> I usually sprinkle them. Actually, conveniently, the Rohan, a writer of Rohan box, comes with two spears and four non-spears, and you know that's usually kind of the ratio I end up following, which ends up being about a third, like you said, because I think they're useful, but because they have the bow, and because not all of them are always going to necessarily be in a place to charge, right? Because you might have to throw them back for objectives or something. I don't think you need to go with all throwing spears, um, but I certainly think that if you have some leftover points, it's not a bad upgrade to take. I just wouldn't prioritize like a hundred percent of them. Yeah, because I mean, once once you take 
seven throwing spears, you could have gotten an extra rider. And I think maybe dropping one rider to give throwing spears to seven guys is worth it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would ever drop kind of a second rider to give mm-hmm. throwing spears to guys. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Mm-hmm. So um, then we get on to the uh, Rohan Royal Guard, if you want to take that one, Matt. Sure. Okay. So Rohan Royal Guard, he is 10 points. Um, he has moved six because at least sometimes he can, he's going to be on foot. He's fight four. He is a shoot of four plus, which is sometimes relevant. He is strike three, defense six, uh, one attack, one wound, cards three, heavy armor, sword, and shield. So this is, this is the tough front line of an infantry line or kind of the heavy cavalry version of, um, uh, if you're going to put him on a horse, he can get a banner. He can get a horse, uh, and he can get. He also can get throwing spears at two points. Uh, and the special rules are bodyguard, and of course, expert rider, because he's Rohan, which means they can lean down off horses and take small objects off the ground. Uh, and they also have the arise riders of Theoden rule. So as long as they're within twelve inches of Theoden, they get a plus one bonus to their fight value on a turn in which they're charged, which brings them up to fight five. So this can be a fight five, defense six, uh, cavalry model all of a sudden. And it gets that for the bargain basement cost of 15 points a model, which if you're doing the math, is only one point more than the riders of Rohan, which is why you see these guys. And once the new edition came out, you saw, see these guys starting to get spammed. Um, and they are a great model. They are well worth it for 15 points. Um, they are definitely a model that you want to take with Theoden or perhaps with a couple of the other heroes in the legendary legions that can also up fight value. Um, but there was a theory when the list first came out that you're going to see armies that consisted entirely of these guys. And I think experience has proved that not to be the case. And the reason is you generally don't want a Rohan army that has no bows in it, um, that is essentially forced to charge or kind of stand there and bear up to um, shooting or maybe, you know, kind of toss throwing spears back and forth. Uh, I think you do want somewhere between half and one third of your guys to be riders of Rohan, even if you're going to go for the Royal Guard um, spam and i guess the other thing i'd say is i think for these guys because they don't have a bow and because these guys are are kind of the the sharp edge of your spear you do buy the throwing spears for these guys for the extra two points making them a um 17 point model i think for each of these guys you do want the throwing spears uh on them and I guess those are my thoughts. They're good models. Um, you do. Uh, I, I, I don't think you want them on foot, with the exception of some of the legendary legions where they kind of have to be on foot. They have some value there, but now they're a great addition to a Rohan list when you're bringing Theoden or somebody who brings a Theoden equivalent army buff to bring them up to fight five, five, five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think, um, 
I think being only one point more than a writer of Rohan just completely seals the deal for why you would always want these to be your combat cavalry. Obviously, if you're taking bow skirmish cavalry, they don't do this role at all. But <clears throat> I mean, just the bodyguard alone sometimes is incredibly important, right? Just if you're facing terror, you need to um, charge various terror causing monsters. And then um, the fact that they can be fight five and strength four on the charge. If you, um, if you have Theoden in your army, which as we discussed um, on the previous episode, you almost certainly do in most, most cases, it's, it's really hard to say no to having these be the majority of your combat cavalry in a Rohan army. Oh, and Defense 6, obviously, is amazing. Um, and I agree, I would put throwing spears on as many of these as you can, partially because it also adds to the combat effectiveness. But if you do need to do some skirmishing with them and stay eight inches out, you can have a little bit of an impact on the game that way. Um, unless you're playing against Noldor and Exiles, and it all comes full circle. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so big A-plus for these. Well, the, I mean, the Royal Guard are good, but they're no, no Dorian exiles. That's and true. I, they can all agree on. Well, I mean, in Fade, it's no Gildor, exiles. But... They've, they've never been exiled from anywhere, and that's... Well, that's... were any of them with um, Hammer? Mm, well, who knows? No, not in the movie, anyway, but, and I don't think the yeah, book addresses it. But yeah, they, yeah they probably not. Probably weren't, because they have to stay in Metazeld or with the king, right? Yeah, yeah I so, so they're no, no Dorian exiles. There we go. Mm -hmm. You got your answer. Yeah. I think realistically, there were probably like maybe twenty of these guys in a Rohan army in in the actual lore. <laughs> like, well, they're kind of like Fountain Court them. Guard, right? Like yeah. I probably brought have brung on a table regularly six times the amount that actually existed in the lore, right? But mm. I think yeah, because his the King's Arid was the Royal Guard. They were the only permanent standing troops in Rohan. Everyone else was essentially like militia, right? Yeah. Um, and there are only <laughs> like 30 of them. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't too many. But well, now they're all like, over Middle Earth. That's like the <laughs> Hobbit sheriffs where you, know, you see entire armies of them when we know from the books that there were a total of 13. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, yeah, you can't really play almost any Rohan army without including these guys unless, you know, you just really, really, really want to max out the bows, which is why I was saying earlier, the bows is the reason you bring the other ones. But um, mm -hmm. but other than that, um, they're, they're pretty much your staple combat troop. So I agree. Mm -hmm. The bodyguard, like you mentioned, I mean, honestly, even on foot, which we'll talk about with the legions, is just the bodyguard alone, and so you would still keep taking them. So mm -hmm. they're excellent. Kind of hard to add on to what you said. We're just complimenting them. So <laughs> doing a job well done. Yeah, they're great. I, do you find them good enough to? I actually do. To, to even ally around um, as a because a bodyguard cavalry, there aren't too many of those. Very um, few. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, even as an alliance, like they they they're actually still effective just for that rule alone. So I um. So I, as you know very well, Devin, I take Citadel Guard on horses fairly frequently in my Gondor armies. And I have toyed around with the idea of instead allying these, these in and as like bodyguarded cavalry that can also fight and would get all of the Rohan rules. So I think that there is some utility there, definitely. Maybe like a Durnhelm and just... So, uh, or even um, Gambling without no, a banner because he's cheap it, and no, his it's, march. It's you, you, if you're going to ally these guys, you ally in Theoden 
and these guys so that they're fight five. I will admit I am not a Rohan expert. I play them just for fun, so I don't never bring them. Yeah, for sure, Theoden is the go-to, but if you want something cheap, you can still take them and sprinkle a few, um, and they're still going to be good. They're just not going to be as good, right? Yeah. I mean, Theoden's so cheap that it's like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's like 100 points, right? So it's hard to say no to, but... The difference between fight four calorie and fight five calorie is enormous in Mm -hmm. combat utility. And Mm -hmm. I'm not not sure there's an argument for not taking Thayden if you're going to take these guys. Or like I said, there's there's some... In the Legendary Legions, of course, you're not going to be allied, but in the Legendary Legions, there's some kind of Thayden equivalents that you can use these guys with. Yeah, I mean, though, honestly... Again, like the Riders of Rohan, they don't even pay for the Arise Riders of Theoden. So even if you're taking them yeah, exactly. in a Legion without Theoden, they're still good. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Do you have any uh, further thoughts on Royal Guard, Mick? No. No, they're just excellent overall. Awesome. I'll be right back. Right back. Real quick. <laughs> Do you want to pause here or should we keep going? Let's keep going. Okay. You guys can keep going. I just, it doesn't be really fast. Sure. So um, the next profile is the Rohan Outrider, and I'll go ahead and take this one. So you have an eight-point model with um, fight three, shoot three, strength three, defense four, one attack, one wound, three courage. They come with armor, sword, and bow standard and can take a horse for five points. Like everything in the Rohan list, they have expert rider. And their special rule is Vanguard, which says that Outriders may use a friendly hero's models stand fast regardless of range. Um, I actually really like these guys. I like them more on foot. Uh, if you're going to have like a dedicated bowline for Rohan than I do on horse. But even then having, you know, one to three of these in an army sprinkled in so that they can go back and sit on objectives, shoot their bow at a higher shoot value. And then even if you break, they, they're going to stay put so long as you have a hero that can stand fast. Um, and for only eight points a model, which is just one point more than you would pay for a Rohan warrior with bow. I actually think that has a lot of use, uh, especially in some of the legions where you are not playing, you know, a bunch of riders of Rohan and Royal Guard around some of your cavalry heroes. So if you have an army that has more uh, foot troops in it, for example, I I actually like these guys a lot. I mean, shoot three is great, even if it's on a normal bow to, you know, get people to come to you or be annoying, even if you have to stand further back from the battle line. So I don't know. How, what do you think? Well, these guys, um, used to, these guys used to be really, really cool uh, back in the day when they were heroes. Yes, and they were and, and they would benefit from from the free might from gambling, and then just be really broken, is what and then just for yeah. everybody. And they were well, replaced by the king's huntsman, which is a downgrade. <laughs> yeah. Well, they uh, they were they were also cool even in the last edition. Well, I, I shouldn't say cool. They were they were somewhat broken in the last edition too, because they used to be seven points. So they mm, yes. they used to be the same price as an ordinary Rohan warrior on foot with bow which meant that you never took an ordinary rohan warrior on foot with bow you took a correct whole bunch of rohan outriders on foot um and they fixed that and i think they fixed that to the point where you actually have to think about it um i mean yeah you're right i mean they do have a role of kind of you know they can kind of hide behind cover near objective shoot of course they're they're no no door in exile so they don't have the no, other no, no no um so you can shoot them out but yeah, you know, in general, I think 
in, in general, now I have a hard time kind of justifying putting them on foot uh, because, you know, they can stand behind that tree or whatever it is um, on horse. And they're, you know, they're a little tougher on horse and they can move around. They can get to the objective quicker. They're certainly harder to kill on horse because um, they can charge and still get uh, uh, to attacks. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I, I generally find I'll, I'll put like one or two of these guys in a list. Um, but only, you know, kind of one or two. And, you know, they, they do what they're supposed to, which is go out, sit on an objective and not run away. Mm -hmm. Um, and because they, you know, they can use a stand fast from anywhere on the board. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that's what they're for. They're, you know, they're flankers. Yeah. That special stand fast rule is kind of better than, than a standard bodyguard because you have to, you have to kill all of the heroes in order, in order to get rid of these guys. That's oh, correct. Better for this specific purpose. Oh, yeah, yeah, for this specific purpose. Yeah, and um, and I guess it doesn't matter, you know, who's doing the stand fasting. So even in an allied yeah. army, right? Like no matter who it is. I mean, yep. as as we talked about, Mary could stand fast because you're probably taking him in your Rohan <laughs> army, and it's uh, it's good enough. Yeah, Gildor could stand fast, and you'd be fine too. Absolutely, but you know, still no exile. No. Yeah, plus there's there are a lot of heroes in this list that have bodyguard. So the odds are that you're gonna have somebody who's not gonna run away that's still on the border pretty high. Yeah, absolutely. So um and and that you know quasi pseudo better bodyguard means that you just unlike the writer of Rohan that runs into Harbinger and is really hard to keep on the board now that you don't take Urkenbrand in every list, these will never run from that objective, which is actually very useful. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a build that goes with these guys that I've, I've never actually tried out because I don't have quite enough Rohan Outriders painted, at least. I think I have the figures to do this. I just haven't painted them up yet. Um, where you have basically two-thirds mounted Rohan Royal Guard and one-third uh, Rohan Outriders. I don't know if anybody's you know kind of tried that out. I know people talked about it at various points when the new edition came out, but... Um, Kind of an interesting build. I wonder if it has any heft to it. And that it actually, just, um, it's hmm. good to interject to say that unlike the Riders of Rohan, these do count towards your bow limit. So you they cannot do. spam them in the in in, a, in like the entirety of your army. Continue. I mean, that's it's actually kind that, of tricky how they work because you have to actually basically yeah. pair them with Rohan Royal Guard because the Riders of Rohan don't even like count at all, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Right. Correct. Like Non-existent yeah. in the army. Well, you can always have one. But uh, oh, yeah. It, yeah. if you, you go kind of beyond one, you need to have some stuff other than Riders of Rohan to bulk out to get to the bow limit. Bow limit. I've, I've considered them in a, like a Fields of Celebrant army with, you know, uh, Sons of Aeoral and then using Outriders as kind of your bow cavalry with that as well, which is, which is kind of like what you were talking about. The Royal Guard are obviously better, especially if you're playing them around Theoden, but... And I, I, I do like them on foot, but I don't like them on foot in a out-of-the-book Rohan army. I like them on foot in some of the legions, where you're going to have a lot more infantry and can have a, more of them as a result to kind of have those bows to bring people to you. But, yeah. Yeah, so so I was thinking uh, uh, this idea that Matt, you had 
about having one third of them in addition to two thirds of Rohan Royal Guard. Um, yeah, it's cool for bows for hitting on three plus, but then they don't benefit from the increased fight value. They don't have access. They don't have higher defense. Why? Why yeah. would you do that? Well, I mean, one reason you would do that is just so that you get the bows. Um, mm -hmm. Because that, I mean, that's the problem with the exclusive Rohan Royal Guard army is they don't have the, they don't have the bows. And but they're also not that expensive for cavalry. They're a point cheaper than the riders. That is Rohan. true. Yeah. So they're you know they're thirteen points. So you can get to a certain extent one or two more of them. And you know they with even without the the fight um, four, they're in most cases they're generally good enough. So what you know basically you have your you have your hit squad of the Rohan Royal Guard and then you have your one third of Rohan outriders who kind of do what outriders do and kind of buzz around the flanks mm -hmm. and they're taking pot shots at guys in their rank they can swing around behind the battle line and start shooting spears off the second rank and then you know they can charge in on those spears if they want to to um you know or or you know charge in on the back ranks of uh, enemy cavalry to get traps and stuff like that. Um, and they can also, they can just kind of go off and kind of threaten other areas of the board because what, I mean, what you don't want to, um, what you don't want to face when you've got a cavalry army is this kind of solid block of infantry in the middle of the board. That's going to get two guys on each of your cav. And if you're playing some sort of scenario that has some objective other than killing stuff, um, what you can see, basically you can send the, you, you have your, your big clump of Royal Guard in the center of the board. You can send the Rohan Outriders just kind of buzzing to all sorts of different, uh, objectives or, and then the, then the other guy's got a dilemma. He can either stay clumped up to fight your Rohan Royal Guard, or it can kind of break off, uh, task forces to try and chase the Rohan Outriders array away. And when he does that, you've got enough mobility with the Rohan Royal Guard that you can kind of fall on those small groups. That's the, that's the idea behind it mm -hmm. is it's a yeah, way to get a few extra figures. They can shoot, they can shoot from all angles and they've got kind of enough, they've got enough fighting ability that um, they can, you know, they can deal with the secondary threats that the enemies throw at you. So I struggle with saying a third of these guys for one point less. I mean, you kind of, I mean, it, let's assume that you have enough riders where they can't be around Theoden. So we'll take this arise riders of Theoden rule away from the rider of Rohan and just say, all right, they, they wouldn't have been in there with a third of your army being made of these guys. Actually, I think that's not going to be the case, but even so, um, I mean, you're losing the ax, which, you know, I guess it's some options. You're losing the shield. I mean, um, and then you lose. So they're both now the same fight value, both now the same strength on the charge. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're trading a you're trading a defense for an increase in shoot value. Yeah, that's that's what you're doing. And I guess Plus I guess I'm you know for a third uh, a third of your army, I don't know that I could ever do that many outriders. Just also in the potential that if you ever send them in, then they lose that major benefit of plus one fight value. Um, if they're around Thaden, the twelve inches is pretty large range but i could see a few of them but i don't know that i ever have that many 
but I've never tried. I think I'd sprinkle like three of them in and the rest riders of your one third bow cavalry. Again, if you're playing like a themed army with lots of sons of Aeorl, they're great there because you don't have Theoden anyway. And so the riders of Rohan just become worse. And so you might as well pick up the extra shoot value plus them being cheaper. The sons of Aeorl, which we're actually about to talk about are a little more expensive. So it helps balance that a little, but, but I certainly think sprinkling them in to a normal army is, is a good idea. So Mm. fair enough yep okay well then uh that leads into the sons of Aeorl as our next profile does anybody want to take a stab at these sure um so son of Aeorl uh we got 20 points uh for a move six realistically 10 though flight four strength four defense six plus uh one attack one wound courage four model uh with an axe uh shield and an armored horse which is um, basically defends five fours. And so uh, expert rider, and then they have riders of Errol and uh, the special rule, which is while they're within six inches of Errol, the young sons of Errol gain a bonus of plus one to their attack value, which of course, back in the edition before this is, you know, they, they just had two attack space, which a lot of people did not spam them, but like did bring a lot more of them. The restriction that they have to be around Errol is kind of huge because Errol prevents you from bringing literally any other hero. So, I'm going to analyze them in kind of two perspectives, and I imagine we all will, uh, of them in a normal Rohan army and then them in an Errol army, which is basically a totally different take on the Rohan army. So in a normal army where realistically you're, you're basically playing for that strength five on the charge natural without lowering your defense, um, I'm not sure that I would drop, want to drop from defense six to five with guys who cost this much. I'm not 100% convinced that they would be worth it over the Rohan Royal Guard at, what, four points cheaper? Am I right now? Five, ten. I am 100% convinced that they are not. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I think the stat line is You're here. (laughs) So, so I mean, I'm just kind of giving them a shot here where I'm like, eh, (laughs) they're going to be too expensive for what they're doing. Um, And without Errol, yeah, that you lose the attack. So, it's like, I, I guess... They basically might as well almost said you can only play these guys if you have Errol the Young is, yeah. uh, is essentially what they just did here. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that, which I know, think that's right. right. I don't think you ever take these guys without Errol mm-hmm. because they're otherwise you just take Rohan Royal Guard because Rohan Royal Guard are better in a number of ways and much, much cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. But so that guess, said, if you do but, have Aeorl, they're actually said, quite a hammer. So. Yeah, yeah. if you do have Aeorl, they are terrifying. Um, yeah. Because once you get that three attacks on the charge um, and, you know, and piercing up to, to strength five, um, these guys... Strength can, six, because they, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. they charge with a strength five. Because they charge with a strength five, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, these guys the, are seriously terrifying. How many do you bring with the fact that it's a six inch bonus or six inch range and then the 40 mil base sizes restrict a lot of like, what do you think is the ideal number of sons of Errol? Considering Errol is a hero of legend, he can bring up to like 18 of these two. Uh, Errol's actually Valor, believe it or not. Oh, is he Valor? Yeah, he's Valor. But he is a legendary hero, as we had discussed on the (laughs) previous episode. A a legendary hero of Valor. 
a legendary <laughs> hero, but not a hero of legend. Oddly yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think you, I don't think you ever take more than eight. I think as a practical matter, I don't think you ever take more than six. And the reason is that a list based on the son of Errol or a list based on Errol because of the limitations on who you can take with him kind of tops out at 600 points max. Um, so I don't think you, you know, and, and at a certain point, I, I don't think, by the way, that you, you want to make a list that's entire that consists entirely of these guys. Um, and uh, I think from a matter of geometry, you don't get the benefit of these guys if you have more than eight of them. I think as a matter of points allocation, probably six is enough. Yeah, I completely agree. I would probably go with yeah, six. I right. could go up to eight. Um, usually if you're playing with Errol, you're not actually doing pure Rohan anywhere. You're doing a green alliance with Gondor and they're kind of like your strike force around an infantry line. Um, and that becomes even harder to fit at that point if you have more than six. So, I mean, how many sons did Errol really have? I mean, canonically, I think two. <laughs> oh no, maybe one. I think he only had one. Brago, I think, was his name. I think GW is hinting at the private life of Errol. But those are only the uh, the official sons by his wife. We don't know how many uh, other children he fathered. So exactly, we know how many heirs he had. But exactly. Yeah. It'd be fun if they had like a different profile for the daughters of Errol. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's the last of the warriors. So for how many heroes there are, that is a refreshingly small number of warriors. But that said, we do have yep. a couple more heroes to cover. We do. <laughs> I was going to say, but we have a refreshingly large number of legendary legions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. nice number, yeah. So now we're moving into the Gondorit War Supplement, where we are going to cover the two remaining heroes that we didn't um, get to on the previous episode. Um, and these are Elfhelm and Deorwine. So why don't we start with Elfhelm? Does uh, anybody have a burning desire to take a stab at him first? Sure. Remick. So he is 65 points, uh, fight value four, uh, hits on a three plus with his throwing spear, uh, strength four, defense six, two attacks, two wounds, courage four, three, one, one, might will fade. He comes with armor, sword, uh, shield, and throwing spears. He has the heroic accuracy and heroic defense. And he has the option of taking a horse, which he probably will most of the time do. Expert rider and horse, horse lord. And pinpoint accuracy. Elfhelm may reroll to hit, to wound, and in the way rolls when using a throwing spear. Additionally, Elfhelm never suffers the minus one penalty for moving and shooting when using a throwing spear. So generally, he is um, a potentially better captain. Uh, although, as we discussed on the previous episode, uh, the captains are able to go to fight five and uh, strength five. So uh, whether he is necessarily a better captain is, um, is something to, to be discussed. Um, he likes to throw his spear. And his heroic accuracy may or may not be useful, depending how many boss you, you bring with him. Uh, generally, he's probably not one of your top three choices in the list, which means that it's quite rare that you're going to see him. Do other people agree or disagree? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, 
which doesn't mean that he's a bad hero. Um, you know, if no, you are fine. taking, yeah, if you're taking a, a huge Rohan list, you throw him in because he's, yeah. he's worth his points. Um, one interesting thing you can do, and that, or at least I think you can do, and somebody check me on this, but I'm fairly sure that Durnhelm has the option of showing up in his warband. Only in the Thaed and Legendary Legion. Is it? Okay, it's in the Thaed and Legendary Legion, um, which is probably where you're going to see this guy in, mm -hmm. in all honesty. Um, but he is, he, he, he can play two roles in the army. He's a skirmisher because he's got that pinpoint accuracy to reroll the two hits, two wounds, and in the ways. I, I actually, I have actually taken this guy, and <laughs> this guy has won me a game. Um, where I took this guy in a Rohan list against, um, it was, I was, I was playing, uh, against the, the Dwarvish list. Oh, the army of Thor. It was the army of Thor. Um, so I was fighting a whole bunch of defense seven fight for dwarves and we ended up playing clash by moonlight. So all of a sudden, Elfhelm became the consummate dwarf killer mm. because he would get up within eight inches and he would throw his spear and he would reroll the two hit and then he would, you know, reroll the two wound. And uh, I'm sorry, then he would reroll his in the ways to get to whatever target I wanted. And then he would reroll the two wounds with plus one. So he was just, he was just gunning down the dwarves and occasionally you end up in these situations where Elfhound is the guy that you want and that was one of those situations i think he killed like a half dozen dwarves with throwing spears during the course of that game and i think he also took out a hero with a throwing spear like you know through somebody else um because oh, also yeah. if you put if you put him next to gambling and he can you know if you're willing to like spend down his might you can kind of like throw infinite amounts of might into that role as well mm -hmm. To be fair to the dwarves and to other uh, troops from Orhan, if playing Ilmet by Moonlight with throwing spears against five-inch moving dwarves, chances are you're going to take out a lot of them through throwing yeah. spears, regardless of whether you have Elfhelm or not. Well, I mean, what Elfhelm's ability allowed him to do is basically pick off the critical dwarves and pick off the critical beaters mm -hmm. because he could just you know, pump might into the wounds whenever he wanted yeah. to, but the other thing that's neat about him is his is heroic defense, so he can be the the second tank in this list. I think uh, Gambling is the only other guy with heroic defense in this list, and Gambling, because of his banner, is not the guy generally that you want to send into the other guy's big hero to tank, because if something goes if something goes wrong with that strategy, it will go horribly wrong. Whereas Elfhelm is cheap enough that you can be like, yeah, I'll. I'll send this guy into Bolg and heroic defense or into Azog and heroic defense. And, you know, he'll tie him up for a couple turns and maybe perhaps do some damage. So yep. I think that heroic defense, aside from the throwing spear gimmick is actually one of the primary reasons you bring him in. Um, yeah. I don't know. I agree. Just me. Uh, I've seen it where I've had to fight against him. It's really annoying to send my Boromir or whatever. And he counters with, you know, throwing him in there. And I'm like, Oh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> you know, so um, actually, uh, I like that part. If he didn't have that, then yeah, I don't know if I'd ever take this dude. But the um, spear, I've oh, so good. 
No, uh, just one more point of clarification, because it's not actually in the book, but it is in the FAQ. He is one of the two models that can choose to reroll and in the way to hit a horse on a mounted model. Yeah, as that's well. the other thing I was about yeah. to mention is yeah. that he, he's a good horse killer. So mm -hmm. ironically. Yeah. <laughs> so oddly enough, there weren't a lot of dwarves on horses in that one list. Sure. <laughs> I, so I hate this profile for all the wrong reasons. Objectively <laughs> speaking, everything all of you have said is correct. I think his throwing spear rule is, you know, a dead horse a turn, or in many cases, a dead model a turn. Heroic defense with three might is wonderful. Um, and he's, you know, a, a decently, he, he's affordable at 75 points, so he doesn't break the bank. But from a lore perspective, this doesn't resemble anything like what Elfheld was like in the books. And it just bothers me to no end. In the books, he is known for two things a series of heroic marches to relieve people. And yet he does not have heroic march. And he's like the only hero in Rohan that doesn't. And two, being a marshal of Rohan. And yet and he doesn't have fight five or strike. So like, I don't know why he's the non-marching, throwing a spear guy instead of, you know, the marching hero. But I guess in terms of objectively he does bring something unique to the list as opposed to just being you know another fighty rohan character i still wish he had heroic march i actually think that that would round out this profile beautifully and then make him more competitive with a captain as well but like i just can't look at it without getting mad and it's completely irrational and i totally understand it <laughs> I don't think it's um, irrational. and i've seen i've seen uh i've seen him do something crazy like i've seen him throw a spear like through a window in a building with four in the ways and like spear a ring wraith behind him <laughs> kill him like every now and then he has that crazy moment where he like you know throws it into the uh sky and it patriot arrows and hits someone and kills them but i just it rankles me that he's nothing like his lore which is for the purpose well, of this podcast irrelevant but i will say this you know if you watch the extended editions of of the return of the king closely if you remember that scene when Amor throws his um you know, his throwing spear and brings down the, uh, mm -hmm. the hood driver up there. If you actually look in the background, you will see um, Alfhelm is throwing his throwing spear <laughs> at the exact same time. And then, then they do the cut in the scenes. So you can't tell which one actually hit it. So I guess my theory is that uh, Alfhelm is the guy uh -huh. that, that hit it. And Amber turned to him and goes, as far as everybody knows, I threw that spear. <laughs> You and, just see another and, angle and Aramur's spear like hits the leg of the elephant. Just <laughs> 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 does absolutely nothing. And then Elfhelm's like, here we go again. <laughs> no, actually what happens is Aramur's spear kind of like goes over the guy, comes down on the other side and kill and like hits another Rohan rider in the back. <laughs> and Amber's like, we're never going to speak of this again. <laughs> oh my God, you know, you know I'm going to be king after this battle. Shut your lips. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That is a crazy small segue. The fact that yeah, if you miss those elephants for any reason, you're gonna like kill one of your guys. With this. <laughs> and here you have Aowen like dancing through the elephant's legs, and then like a throwing spear takes Mary off the horse, right? And then so the next scene you see is him crying over her dead body, right? And it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's a lot of segues um yeah i i wish he had march uh, i think that alone would make him a little more lore adherent and useful but overall uh, a good enough profile uh 
like Nick said, not my top three, but I definitely do take him, um, you know, as like your fourth hero plus. So, yep. Okay, so um, the next and final, no, not final, second to final profile for uh, Rohan is the Dayerwine Chief of the King's Knights profile. Um, do you want to take this one, Matt? Sure. Um, so Dayerwine Chief of the King's Knights is 75 points. He is a Rohan infantry hero, hero of fortitude. And uh, I, I do have to read the first three words of his description here, which is, a brave man. That is apparently <laughs> what's going on in his tombstone as well. A brave uh, man to ride in front of Aemer in a battle. Yes. <laughs> he is, uh, uh, yeah, that, yeah the, the tombstone that he has like next to Theoden's tombstone just has a brave man on it. <laughs> um, and uh, he's moved six, uh, fight five, uh, shoot four, strength four. Defense seven, so he is tough for a uh, horse lord here. Two attacks, two wounds, courage four, three might, one will, one fate. His heavy armor, sword, and shield. His heroic abilities are march and strike. So he is another striker, and he is one of these very useful heroes that has both march and strike. So he's useful in that regard. Uh, he can get a horse, obviously, for 10 points, and I can't imagine a situation where you would not buy him that horse. His special rules are expert rider, bodyguard, and horse lord. So as long as Theoden's alive, he's not going to uh, be running away. His special rule is for Theoden. Theoden is engaged in a fight within 12 inches of Darewine. And Darewine may call a heroic combat without using might. If a heroic combat is successful, then Darewine must use the following move to join Theoden's combat. If this is not possible, then Darewine must move as close as possible to Theoden. So this is a guy, and the benefit of this guy uh, is he has, uh, um, he's better than Alfalm in that he has the fight five. Uh, he does not have the throwing spear. He is tougher on defense. And he gets this quasi-free heroic combat that requires you to do a bit of positioning for him. So you really want to think when you're charging Dea Wine in. You you, first, you, you figure out where Theoden's going. And then you figure out where to put Dea Wine so that he can get off his free heroic combat and still get into somebody else. And that can require a bit of thinking to do. It's, it's actually kind of rare that you'll be able to get him, get him into Theoden's combat unless everything's kind of broken up and you're, you're kind of out of the battle line zone. It's more often what happens is you want to set him up so that he's, he's you know, maybe six inches from Theoden or something like that. And he can come in and hit, you know, one guy, get a heroic combat off and still be moving close, you know, still be moving closer to Theoden and get into another guy. That's a useful thing for uh, Darewine to do. And just tactically from a point of view, the way to do this is you, you bring Darewine in at kind of a different angle than Theoden. So you know, if, and I'm going to have to do this with my hands and I apologize for those listening on, on the podcast version, but you have, you know, Theoden who's kind of coming in at a straight line and then Darewine kind of leads an attack in at an angle. Um, uh, you know, so maybe at like a 45 degree angle to that so that the enemy is, is kind of inside this V 
so that when Darewine gets off his attack, he can continue essentially to charge forward and still get closer to Theta and charge in against somebody. That's kind of the way geometrically you have to do it, which is a little odd to try and work out. But that's, you know, basically, basically you want to set up a situation where Darewine has to cut his way through the enemy in order to get to Theoden. And that's the best way to get the most out of his heroic combat so that he keeps going and is able to hit a, a different figure. Otherwise, we can end up in these awkward situations where, you know, Darewine has to go in, he gets his free heroic combat, and then, you know, he has to, like, back out go behind your battle line and end up coming in behind Theoden, getting as close as he can to Theoden, then trapping Theoden and having Theoden die as a result. Um, and you certainly don't want that to happen. So, but it, you know, he's another one of these guys who once you get your, once you get your, your three or four obvious choices of Rohan heroes of Theoden, Gambling, uh, Dernhelm, and perhaps Aemir, then you start thinking about this guy. And you just, it's a play style idea of whether you want to take this guy or elf helm um or you know one of the other models that we've talked about in the past i always find these kind of rules funny where like that the the the, it's kind of a standard rule now at this point where you have these like bodyguard characters whom their way of protecting their liege or whoever they're protecting is to try to join their combat and after these combats but what it does for the players is encourage you to separate them Initially, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, to make sure you get these hurt combats, and I was just like, I don't know if that's the right way to implement yeah. what they were trying to do. But the, the the term you're looking for in behavioral economics, by the way, is a perverse incentive. It is yeah, it is a go. rule that you've created that causes people to do the opposite of what you intended them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if it was just like, oh, he gains an extra attack when he's within three inches of Theoden, and it's like, all right, they're going to hug each other for the rest yeah. of this yeah. bat, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah. No, all right. Well, as he is written, I mean, I imagine that I haven't played this guy. I admit, I do not have the model, um, and I've never proxied it. So, great model, by the way. Great looking model. Oh, fantastic. oh yeah, no, hundred percent, absolutely. I just don't play enough Rohan to you know that where I'm, I have him. But you know, it seems like just another opportunity. In my mind, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Rohan wants to excel at using her combats to cut through ranks quickly before they lose momentum but i mean i know that's conflicting with the heroic move-offs so i mean you i guess this is another guy to help you do that is my mindset on that um but like i said matt you've played way more rohan than me like i don't know if you agree with that yeah i mean rohan is an army that that survives by expending copious amounts of might and it's an army that really has access to copious amounts of might and or, or or free might equivalents. And this is one of them. This is another way you can kind of get uh, get Darewine in um, and, and start getting, you know, basically free stuff that you can use in lieu of um, in lieu of uh, actually expending might to do it. One useful thing I will say with Darewine, and I guess this is another useful tactic to use him for, is what you can do is kind of keep him in reserve and wait for somebody to kind of throw off uh, like the random guy who's going to try and loop around your line to trap somebody. And then what you do is you move Darewine in along with three or four other models just to surround that because you can get the free heroic combat and you just use 
you know, Dare wine's going to have to move closer to Thayden, and that may not be the most tactically beneficial uh, place for him to go. But the other two or three cavalry models that went in and helped with the kill aren't subject to that rule, and they can get repositioned. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's even better if you have, like, a couple other, you know, yeah, a couple other heroes in there with it. So you can send in, like, Dernhelm and have her call the strike. Darewine calls the free heroic combat, and that gets you to put her someplace, you know, where she can up the fight value. Is he's a way to kind of catapult other guys, even if you have to put him in kind of a long position at the end. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, Rohan's all about having this like crazy good action economy, right? So this is just right. another model that helps with that. All right. So I have a suggestion time wise, given mm-hmm. that we have like maybe 15 or 20 minutes left here. Should we, should, should we do Legendary Legions next time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do Legendary Legions next time. I mean, we can. I know I've got a list. I know Rob's got a list. We probably have enough time to kind of knock out just a couple of Rohan lists that we can chat yeah. about in the next 15 or 20 minutes. Well, so, or alternately, we just talk about Helm now and finish out characters entirely and then do True, Legions yeah. next time. Let, let us wait on Helm till okay. we talk about this Legendary Legion. Well, the Legion okay. I wrote, or the list I wrote is a Legion, so perhaps not do mine then. All right. Yeah. Did anybody do else do a list other than me, or are we just talking about my list? All right. So we, we've talked about a number of Rohan lists here, and I wanted to stay away from Legendary Legions. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, as we've pointed out, this is an army that has a Legendary Legion for almost all occasions. Mm-hmm. I think they and they and Eisen, you know, just like Isengard seems to have as many legendary legions as the rest of evil put together. Um, Rohan seems to have as many legendary legions, especially if you consider other legendary legions in which they can appear. They, it, it's like they're half the legendary legions are Rohan and the other half are things other than Rohan. Um, so I wanted to come up with a list that was designed to that basically could not function better without a legendary, you know, when you added a legendary legion to it. Makes sense. So I decided to to do a a arrow the young legendary, or not legendary legion, an arrow <laughs> the, the young list, because one thing that can be said is there's, there's no way to do him better in a legendary legion, because he cannot show up in any legendary legion. So Which actually my, surprises me that of all the legendary legions they did, they didn't do one for Errol the Young. But continue, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so this is a 500-point list. I think Errol the Young kind of tops out at a certain point uh, above which points level he's just going to get overwhelmed by better heroes. But the leader of this... Uh, well, actually, it, I'm undecided as to who the leader of this list is going to be, but the first warband I'm going to discuss is Errol Young. Um, so we've got him. He has six of his offspring. <laughs> so six sons of Errol. And that is, uh, that is his warband. Um, and the second warband is a king of men from Minas Tirith. And he is on horse with uh, all of his kit. So he's got... Um, Lance, Lance, and uh, shield and horse, and with him are one guard of the Fountain Court, just to be the one bodyguard running along behind him. Uh, four rangers of Gondor with spear, five warriors of Minas Tirith, 
uh, with shield and two warriors of Minas Tirith with spear and shield. So this is, you know, basically the the little battle line that you uh, put out there uh, that is the hammer to Errol the Young's anvil. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's the anvil to Errol the Young's hammer. I'm, I'm screwing up my metaphors. And then the last warband, we have a battle cry trebuchet with its mm, company, oh. veteran, and two warriors of Minas Tirith. So <laughs> this is a list that at 500 points has a siege engine in it and a heavy hitter that is designed basically to force the other side to come to you. So it is a list that uh, where you don't have to worry about somebody who just kind of runs into terrain, into terrain and hides from your cavalry or um, kind of puts himself, you know, tightly into a position where the cavalry can't get at him, where he's like defending a gap between houses or something like that, because the siege weapon solves that problem. Um, the enemy is going to come to you. You can have your battle line sitting there, your little battle line waiting there, sitting, waiting to receive. Wait till he charges in on that battle line. And then Errol the Young and his sons, who are kind of lurking behind the battle line in an ambush position, then charge in and start chopping you up with three uh, strength, six attacks uh, in counterattack. So that's the theory of the list. I like that. That's mm -hmm. That's really cool. I've always wanted to make a list with, let's say, a catapult and a bunch of work riders, but but that never really worked. But like in in, in this case, the fact that you have er, uh, um, Errol the Young, um, he's a really powerful hero. So he's able to even even if you if your uh, trebuchet doesn't do very much, you still have that really powerful hero and some elite warriors to really um, punch a hole in your in your enemy. So that's that's really strong. What, um, yeah, I really like that. Just so I, I, I missed this part, but the, the how many points and how many models is this? 500 points. It's 500 points, and it, it ends up being 23 models. Hmm. So and the, okay. And the other I mean, it's, are, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got a decent number of models for, um, for 500, 500 points. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and it... The other thing that the other thing that trebuchet does is it forces the enemy to kind of split up and put two inch gaps between its fingers, mm -hmm. which um, the sons of Errol will love to charge into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. The uh, the trebuchet is a interesting wild card in that list. I like that a lot. Um, and then you've got Aeorl, who, as we've discussed, is you know a pretty good character, and his sons are a great hammer. And then the King of Men isn't bad at 500 points. I mean, he has March and Defense. So, like, in a pinch, you could even throw him into a bigger hero to tie them up before Aeorl and his uh, offspring, some recognized, others not so much, can get there. Um, and, yeah, and I love I love the idea of the trebuchet more, more so than a damage dealer to be, like, dictating how they deploy and how they move, which gives you a huge advantage in the way that you can approach the enemy army. So, yeah, that's really cool. I, so I guess go ahead. No, I was uh, going to say for any listeners who wanted to recreate this list for larger points of eight hundred or whatnot, obviously probably not Errol, but if you think in a standard Rohan list, you would still like employ that trebuchet strategy, like maybe at a higher points level. No, I mean I think that's right. Yeah, obviously you do it with different heroes, um, uh, but yeah, you could. There, there's no reason you couldn't do this. Um, at a different points level. 
The question then becomes, though, whether or not allying Rohan in is the best way to kind of get your your cavalry strike force. Um, Because what you can, you know, I think if I did this at an 800 points level, I would start thinking of instead of Errol the Young, uh, Imrahil or Boromir. Mm. You know, Imrahil with a bunch, you know, with some swan knights. Um, can kind of fill in that role, um, and you know mm-hmm. they lose the ex- they lose the extra attack and the strength six, but they do get the um, they do get the lance and they get you know the banner, which effectively gives them an extra attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know you have you know instead of Errol you have Imrahil, or instead of Errol you have Boromir. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one question I have for the group is, you know, if if one were to do this, is your leader Errol the Young or is your leader the King of Men? Uh, uh, it's probably the King for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's the yeah. one who's got heroic defense plus not going to be in combat. Errol, yeah, you know, you're throwing him in there. He's going to be a grenade. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he'll be burnt out of might and all that. I mean, and and the best part is, even if you get a contest of champions, the King of Men's not exactly he's fine. Slouch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's where I was leading to. I was just I was a little leery based on the fact that you know Errol has the extra fate and the extra wound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's 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 highly unlikely your king is just going to suffer. Like right, like the king because if yeah, if you're if you if you're about to lose your king, then chances are you're probably losing the game at some mm-hmm. point soon anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah since the sense. king has heroic defense for those whoopsie situations, I would go with the king. Yeah. Um, if he didn't, I think it's a little bit more of a toss-up, but definitely the king yeah. for me. I mean, I, I guess the only downside is if you make Aerol the leader, you have a bit more freedom to use those two might that come with the king to do the marches mm-hmm. and do the moves. Because um, the, king, the king of man is also the march in this army. Sure. And you gave him a heavy armor and a shield, right? Yeah, he's down seven. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think he's, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Said, if you if you absolutely have to use um, Errol oh, wait, for a move, you can get it back. So, the What's king up? is uh, fortitude, and Errol is valor, right? No, the king is kings are valor now. Oh yeah, that's kings right. He's got upgraded valor. Sorry, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you. In fact, it's it's your only option uh, if you're playing Errol the Young for allies. So. Because he can't take any named heroes, right? So yeah, right, yeah. He's he's the ally. I mean, he, you could ally the captain if you wanted to, but mm-hmm. if you want to go with the king. But all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Le- legendary hero, meaning that that one might you need for the move here and there coming back on a fifty-fifty makes that feel a lot less bad than it would otherwise. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So all yeah, right, guys. A really cool list. Mm-hmm. All right, so cool. uh, all right, so that's Great. Rohan Warriors, and we have another episode upcoming with the umpty ump uh, legendary legions that come with mm-hmm. Rohan. Uh, Rohan never ends. It's, it's the gift that keeps <laughs> all, on. Getting. Yeah, all roads lead to Rohan, as Saruman <laughs> learned to his dismay. Rohan yes, never exactly. ends. <laughs> so, and uh, <laughs> all right. Well, this is probably going to come out in the Christmas sometime in the the Christmas holiday season. So, um, 
Yeah. Best, best holiday wishes to everybody. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you, as always, to everyone who contributed lists and questions. And remember, this year, give the gift of Rohan because it is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody.